Hi, everybody, and thanks for joining our weekly podcast. I'm Robin Lewis, founder and CEO of The Robin Report, and along with our chief strategist, Shelley Cohan, also a consultant at large and a professor at FIT, uh, we warmly welcome you to our conversation on the topic of ding, ding, ding. <laughs> you got it. Returns, returns, returns. I'd like to say I'm sick of hearing that word. It, it, it's kind of like uh, you do an eye roll, like, oh, no, not again. I mean, it's, it's just been accelerating, but forget it. It is not redundant simply because it became one of the biggest issues in the industry, like at 8 a.m. on one Monday morning that nobody can identify a date. None of us <laughs> really knows. It just happened. But it became an accelerated rolling mess. And uh, Shelly, I know you've done a ton of work on this. I think you ran a couple articles. I know you've, uh, and you're probably teaching uh, your students about this as well. So I'm, I'm gonna let you open with a more detailed overview of, of all of the side issues, cost, consumer satisfaction, environmental effects, and, and more all emanating from this core issue of returns, which big picture, listen to this, costs the industry over $550 billion a year out of many different buckets. I mean, that's phenomenal. So Shelly, you know, please give us an overview of, of all of the kind of major elements involved in the return conundrum that we should try to shed a light on for our listeners in this short uh, podcast. Robin, that $550 billion number is just so staggering. It's, you know, um, a real issue for the industry. But that return cost doesn't even include some of the ancillary costs that are on top of the actual cost to retailers, which typically runs around 10 to $20, excluding freight for each return. But when, even when we look at return fraud, which is not our topic today, we could have a whole nother podcast about return fraud. Um, but the return fraud that the industry loses 1.5 billion just in lost sales tax for wow. the state. Wow. And yeah. that, that tax is given back to fraudulent, you know, merchandise that's fraudulently returned. In addition to that, our industry, loses 740,000 jobs a year based just on the return fraud. So I don't want to sidetrack the conversation here. So I'll, right. you know, kind of keep it with our uh, topic of returns. But according to a report that was recently uh, done by the NRF, the National Retail Federation and APRIS Retail, holiday returns were over $100 billion, which is about 13% of the total retail sales. Of that $100 billion of returns just for holiday, about 10% of those are fraudulent. If wow. we look at the, it's unbelievable. If we look at the annual returns number, $428 billion in annual returns, and that was about 11% of retail sales. The online return rate, of course, is higher at about 18% of total sales, and accounting for also over $100 billion. So the online returns represent 24% of total returns for 2020. And as you know, Robin, 
the return rate for online returns varies by category. You know, apparel is high. It can right. run over, you know, 10, 15, 20%. Um, if you look at, you know, footwear has usually a high return rate as well, over 10, 15, 20%. Um, where some other areas, you know, may have lower return rates, you know, beauty, for example, typically has a lower return rate. But in 2020, um, the pandemic has really accelerated online purchasing, as we know. And of course, from those high e-commerce sales means there's going to be higher returns. So the contributing factors to the issue of returns, at least in the beginning of you know, 2021 is this shift to digital shopping, the ease and convenience of curbside and in-store pickup, and also the occupancy limitations in physical stores and consumers not wanting to go to physical stores to return merchandise. So this all kind of has, you know, um, become a major issue for retailers and retailers really have to figure out a way to minimize returns in the first place at the point of purchase. God, you know, Shelly, this, I mean, what you just outlined here is the, the incredible complexity that just this core piece returns, the word returns, all of the side issues here are just incredible. Loss of jobs, cost here, cost there. So it isn't just, as you say, it isn't just the, uh, the cost of the online returns. Uh, it's, it's phenomenal and, it, and it's getting worse. And as you know, Shelley, uh, my favorite mantra has been and still is, and I'm gonna get even more tenacious about this concept of inventory optimization, which by the way, that, that's a consultee's word <laughs> that in my opinion is too cute. They always, I'm sorry, consultants, but you do it. They always complexify that which is simple. Well, I like to simplify that which is complex. Inventory optimization is simply what? Getting precisely what the consumer wants, where and when they want it, and for the price they're willing to pay. You say, come on, Robin, we're not stupid. And of course, I say, I know you're not stupid, but you as an industry are too slow to implement the tech tools that can make it easier for you to do that. And through AI, data analytics, sick and tired of saying that too, if implemented properly, returns can become a thing of the past. I also call inventory optimization the road to personalization which is the next big thing in the 21st century. So in addition to AI and analytics, there are also now solutions out there that can actually, again, through uh, artificial intelligence, can actually identify by product category, the most likely goods to be returned and why. So that uh, these companies and retailers can fix those points to reduce the returns altogether. I definitely agree, Robin. I mean, the real issue in reducing this whole issue on returns is to stop them, you know, at the point of purchase, stop them before they happen. So, and a lot of retailers are really using, you know, artificial intelligence, you know, specifically machine learning to help with minimizing returns through like, for example, virtual fit applications. So 
customers can do a, a virtual body scan and they can send in um, their body measurements so that they can, you know, get merchandise that better fits them, which is one of the main reasons customers return uh, products to retailers. But customers also have to be somewhat careful in that not to be misled that these virtual sizing apps are actually making custom made product. So I think, you know, one of the things retailers have to be really careful about the virtual app in most instances does a great job of identifying a certain body size and type so that their body uh, measurements and type can be then fitted to a design size within a given product range that exists. So for example, if a um, customer does a virtual scan, it will then say, okay, that body size best fits our size eight, as an example. Okay. Um, so the virtual apps aren't always making custom made product, but they will help customers fit a product better than, you know, if customers are not using that type of technology. The other technologies that are out there is, of course, using styling apps. Styling apps are great, and those apps help customers better select right products or by offering virtual assistant chat box to help determine the right size and fit of various products. So all of these initiatives um, can really help with making sure that retailers are selling the right product to the right customer. And then if you kind of look even further down the road, you have, you know, the bigger companies, the Amazons, the Walmarts, they're, they're taking kind of a different approach with returns and using artificial intelligence, but what they've done recently is they're using artificial intelligence to determine whether it makes economic sense to process a return. So when a customer requests a return, they use AI to say, based on the cost of returning that item or based on the margin of that item, it would actually be cheaper just to let the customer you know, keep the product versus sending it back to the retailer. And this approach of, you know, having customers keep products, return products, is being adopted uh, more broadly um, by many different retailers, which could be very problematic down the road. The, in the increase in returns is a real conundrum for retailers, and some retailers, you know, telling customers to keep the return versus sending it back is really opening up Pandora's box. It is uh, virtually sending returns into a direction of quote unquote no return. Yeah, you know, <laughs> in keeping with my idea of of simplifying that which is complex, I want to cl uh, close my comments with a, a different twist on all of this. And but it but it's one that will once again put the consumer in the driver's seat, and then. This is going to be really easy to understand, but it also ends with a very scary notion for our retailers and brands out there. With omnipotent power to destroy your business is the consumer or to love your business and how you are satisfying them. So think of it this way. Does the consumer love that you're willing to let them keep the three dresses that didn't fit for free? Are you kidding me? Of course. And that's how it started. And then there were two consumers. 
then hundreds, then thousands, all giddy with freebies, right? And on the other side, there are thousands of retailers losing sales and margins. And then, so then over time, those thousands of consumers begin to say in their heads, in their minds, their love for your brand all of a sudden turns to asking themselves, gee, if I get all this stuff for free, is that what it's worth? And eventually, eventually they say to themselves, yes. And you know what comes next for the thousands of retailers continuing to do it? It's the beginning of the end. So without question, it is imperative that retailers find ways to alleviate returns altogether, or at least as much as they can. Or as I said, and as I said before, through analytics, personalization, inventory, optimization, technology, whatever you want to call it. And regardless, they must stop the building momentum of letting consumers keep returnable items for free. It is not sustainable, and it ultimately is devaluing your brand. Bob, and I think you're right on. I absolutely think it's not sustainable. It actually reminds me back when uh, coupons were introduced uh, back in the day, and customers really got trained with using coupons a lot, and it became unsustainable for a lot of businesses. So I do think that retailers need to be aware of, you know, letting them keep returns and what that is going to mean down the road. And of course, we didn't talk about this, but cyber criminals are going to get wise to these new return techniques. And trust me, they are already scheming and figuring yep. out ways to even, you know, take more advantage of uh, the system and the policies and procedures. So I think that's another consideration in terms of, you know, looking at this particular topic. There you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, our listeners. Uh, for you can find more of our podcasts on Apple, Spotify, Buzzsprout, and therobinreport.com. And please follow us on social media, link in with us, and follow us on Twitter for the latest thoughts about the industry. Thanks, Jill. And of course, uh, you will find more of our provocative insights on therobinreport.com. Please go there; you'll love it. And as I said, saying every week, any Buddy out there who has a real great topic on in, on mind uh, that you would like us to cover, please uh, send me an email, robin at therobinreport.com. And thanks again for joining us. Take care. Bye.